Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B, and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to a Tuesday, June 27th, 2023 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Sports reporters who have indeed reassembled on today's show, uh, the Daily Beast, Robert Silverman, and AL.com's Andrew Hammond on the show to talk about the biggest stories in sports this week. Uh, We talked about the NBA draft, winners and losers, some uh, question marks about what uh, Charlotte and Houston did, uh, just how the draft presentation was and how it works and just uh, less college uh, basketball star heavy uh, cycle. Um, the Chris Depps, Marcus Smart trade, Little Hawks, Malcolm Brogdon, CP3 uh, to Golden State, Julius Randle, what his future is like in New York. Um, all that more coming up with Bob and Andrew here on the Tuesday edition of the sports reporters uh, who have indeed reassembled. So all that and more coming up next. Uncle Darren, let's go. Sports reporters assemble! Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Sports Reporters who have indeed reassembled on this fine Sunday morning up there in New York City. The Daily Beast, Robert Silverman, 
Bobby, good morning. How are you? Good morning. You're very, you're very succinct these days on the, the intros. There's never a follow-up. There's never a what's going on with Bob. It's always just good morning. Brevity. Mm-hmm. It's brevity. Soul Bob. of wit. Yeah, soul of wit and stuff. You know? mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's It's Righteous Gemstones me. Day. Straight and to the point. Yeah. There you go. Oh, to the point. He's doing the literal point. For the good folks on YouTube.com slash Chase Notes Podcast. Um, also here, over there in Birmingham, Alabama, AL.com's Andrew Hammond. Andrew, good morning. How are you? I'm all right. <laughs> uh, I, I like it. Everyone's succinct this uh, this morning uh, on this fine morning. So we have a lot uh, to talk uh, about uh, the NBA on this very program, uh, fellas. A lot of NBA is happening over the last week. And I want to start Chris Middleton. No, I'm just kidding. Um, NBA draft winners and losers. Your fate, Bobby. You're the big draft guy. You you're all yeah, in on the mocks. I am. I'm Who had your favorite draft? draft? What draft uh, did you like the most? My favorite draft. I, I I know a lot of people are going to say the Houston Rockets, and I wouldn't want to steal the Houston mm. Rockets if Andrew Hammond is going to say Houston Rockets. So I'm going to throw a bit of a curveball here. Uh, my favorite draft belonged to the Indiana Pacers. Oh. Yeah, I really liked what Indiana did. I think uh, Jirase, I'm probably mispronouncing his name, Jirachi? Walker. I think Walker from the University of Houston Mm. uh, is the best combination of value and fit at the Mm. the lottery for me. Um, He is the rare three and D wing who can also, whose defensive value comes from protecting the rim more than locked in individual defenders in order to maximize his offensive value as both a a rim runner and a connected passer. You need to play with a stretch three. And Lordy, look who they got in Indiana. That's Miles Turner, who still has not been traded. So he's also going to be his shot is not the fastest three pointer, but he can he can shoot from three. And having shooters like Maltherin and uh, Halliburton, and of course Turner, is really going to help expand his offensive game. Buddy Heald is still there. Chris Duarte, they got a lot of shooters on that team. Shooter shoots, and they shoot in Indiana. Um, to me, also picking up Bryce Sensabaugh at, I think, 20-something. I lost track at a certain point. 28. I think 28. Mm. Uh, I think that's that's excellent value there. Um, and uh, who's they got one other guy, too. Wait, Sensabaugh went to the Jazz. Did he? Yeah. Since Bob went to the Jazz, I thought they had a second first. Uh, no, nope. they no, Ben Shepard was their second first. Ben Shepard, that's the guy who I'm thinking yeah. of. Not sensible. Ben Shepard also uh, Belmont College. Very close names. Yeah, wrote, uh, rose up during the combine. Uh, we can edit that out, right, Jamie? Edit out me saying no, it's fine. Ben, they're okay. literally like right next to each other, and it's basically the same name. Yeah, no, it's yeah, fine. same name, very different player, mm-hmm. but again. A uh, solid wing, excellent shooting stroke, good passer, potential as defender. And, you know, like the, the, that's a that's a it's a quality archetype to pick up at the end of the first. I, I like I like that draft a lot. I'm going Indiana Pacers, folks, folks, folks. He's going Indiana Pacers. Andrew, your biggest draft winner. Who'd you like? To How many times have we been doing this? You know, my thoughts on winners and losers in the draft. Mm. Everybody's Tell a winner. To, to, and that's no lie. Um, here. Give me two and a half years. I mean, well, how about this? 
what you saw your instant your gut where you're like i think this will end up being the best for this group it sounds terrible mm-hmm. and it sounds like really just there's two teams that i'm looking at actually mm. three teams one of them is not the Houston Rockets. Okay. Um, we won't, I, I, I we still won't think get into Rockets, Rockets talk. <laughs> I, look, I still think the Rockets are a year away from being a year away. Um, mm. I mean, unless they can make that jump like Oklahoma City did in terms of just, they're, oh. They're on that from, Bruno Cabloco title track. It's like time. you go from completely dreadful to, oh, you, you don't look that bad. That's where Houston's at right now. Um but the three teams I'm interested in are from this draft are all at the top. San Antonio, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, Charlotte, because you skip Scoot and oh, then you oh, get Brandon oh, Miller, which the I, mascot booed them. They got the mascot to boo the pick. Everybody I, boos the pick. I was there <laughs> for the crying Chris Depps kid. Every pick gets booed. Busts get booed, get cheers, great guys get booed, but the, the mascot, man, that's uh what I, I was I was fascinated with them going, oh, okay, so all right. Um so you like the Brandon Miller pick over Scoot. I don't know how I feel about it. Mm. I, I I'm not as high on Brandon Miller as a lot of other people are. Um Mainly because I'm not saying that he's an average NBA guy, but he just he doesn't blow me away, I guess. For a guy that was that is the first college player off the board. Okay. Cool. Um I just uh, I, I, I guess I, and I've seen him play, so that's why it's just kind of like, okay, like he, to me, he is. Does he have superstar potential? Absolutely, but I still feel like it's, you know, to me, Brandon Miller feels like just another guy in the league. And we're not, but, but this is before we get into the alleged murder. Well, yeah. I mean, th- there's that, and it's funny because everybody was going in on Malika Andrews, and it's like, guys, you kind of have to sort of you, you can't, you can't yada 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 his involvement, in yeah, an alleged crime here. So, and, and it's and it's like, look, it, either you are going to completely ignore it, or you put it a part of the story, like any good journalist would do. And people are still going to be upset. Like it's, but forget that. I would say the third team I'm interested in is Detroit, mainly because mm. they should have been. T- they could have and should have been top three, but they weren't. And so you are truly like the hard reset continues, and now you're going with another young guard, which. You have enough of, um, so I, I'm uh, interested. Are we? Do we think Oscar Thompson is a guard? Is that how we're qualifying? I mean, I he's, a, he's a wing. He's a yeah, wing, we've heard or Andre Iguodala yeah. type. He's an athletic wing who can yeah. also serve as a secondary creator. I don't know if I'd call him a guard, but okay. I get your complaints. We'll, we'll wing, we'll wing. I mean, I, I'm interested in seeing how it works. Um, 
because I, I think that Houston and Detroit are really one and the same. That they're a year away from being a year away. I'm more so interested in Detroit because of what they've acquired over the last two years. It's mm. a it's a weird fit in Detroit. Not to not to dump on Osser again, um, but also I do have I do have a hot take, but we can save it. But go ahead, Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just don't it, it seems to me that for me at five, that's within the, the that's the range that he was slotted. It's a perfectly yeah. fine fit. It, it's it, this is a team that could use some shooting. And They've, I mean, uh, Jaden Ivey, not really what you would call a shooter. Uh, Cade Cunningham came into the NBA with a reputation as a knockdown shooter, but we haven't seen it in the one year that he played. Um, they don't have a lot of floor spacers uh, at the, you know, their bigs are not floor spacing bigs at all. That's a cramped front court, and it's tough for guys, both of whom, like, especially for Ivy, who you want to give as much room to attack the paint as possible. So there wasn't really a natural fit at five. Uh, so I understand why they went that way. You know, Black has some of the same concerns. Uh, if you wanted to grab him there, um, the both Walker and Hendricks, if you wanted to say, okay, we're going to spread the floor. Well, now you got Detroit again. has so many fours and fives, you worry about how much playing time they would get. So that's kind of a tricky fit. I mean, I would have rolled it. I mean, I, I still don't exactly understand what happened to Cam Whitmore. And maybe he does have the Michael Porter Jr. medicals where everyone looked at his knee and went, oh, that's crab meat. We can't touch this. But well, it seems like the reporting, it was a combination, right? That he was bad in interviews, uh, and then the, inter the injury stuff. Like, I don't know. Like, it seems like there is like a multitude of... Um, I forget who wrote. I, I think it was. Oh god, which, which draft person wrote this? It was either Hollinger or Vicenny, uh who wrote this about the Cam Whitmore slide. Mm. And what they said is, okay, when you have a player who everyone thinks is going to go five to ten, say, mm. which was Whitmore's range, probably. Um, once they break that containment. Then you have a lot of teams that have only done cursory scouting on a player mm. or haven't done the kind of deep dive they have into them. And they haven't re and they haven't, you know, they probably didn't call him in for an interview. And mm. you have a lot of guys from 11 to 19. To go. They didn't yeah. think he was going to be there and they haven't yeah. done that investigation. So now you're saying, okay, are we going to take a guy who we haven't really researched and haven't really had a chance to hash out in our war room? But the only the, the most recent data point that we have sitting in our faces is all these teams from five to ten said no. Mm. So one reason why Houston stopped his slide is because they were considering him at four. Right. They already did every they, they were prepared did, to do they it. Did they did knew. their due diligence. Yeah. They knew that they knew. And mm. obviously they, they passed on him at four, but it, since he was in consideration, since he's there at twenty, obviously if you were considering him even say you were doing a 10%. Okay. Well, if, if Amin Thompson is not there, this is a guy we would think about. Mm. So that's why they were there to stop that slide. Um, and you know, this isn't like the days when Paul Pierce dropped to 10 mm. where the level of research and scouting that went into first round picks is kind of pales in comparison to what it is today. So if a bunch of teams pass, 
everyone's kind of going off the same baseline level of info. So you stop a guy who maybe would go top five at nine. So yeah, that's the, that it became, um, that the pat the fact that people passed on Whitmore became a self-fulfilling principle, a self-fulfilling, uh, thing where other teams said, well, if they pass, then we should pass too, obviously. Cause what if they know something and who wants to have egg on our faces? And there is a long, like these guys who drop, precipitously out of the early lottery mm. there isn't a really strong history of them suddenly bouncing back when they get past mm. when they when they end up outside the lottery so at 20 it's worth the risk at 20 it's absolute the risk reward calculus becomes yeah take him let's see what happens i i liked cam whitmore from the beginning i think he's going to be really good i think of the thing about him being weird in interviews i, I mean i've never sat in one of those rooms but mm. I can't imagine what he said that, that turned off all these teams so much. The medicals, obviously, are something else entirely. And who knows? He may have an yeah. arthritic knee or, or, or something like that. Or he may have a future problem. But to me, that, but it's that's... It's also just good value late in the first. Yeah. It's like most of these guys, because what? Only every draft, I think they said, uh, was it uh, Gavoni? I don't remember which one it was. But they were like, basically, oh, it was when I was listening to Thinking Basketball. Um uh, they did their draft recap and uh, the guy who's with Ben Taylor uh, chip something, maybe um, chip Jones uh, apologies. I, I don't remember his particular name, but he was talking about it and he said he's a draft and all that. And basically on average, every draft has four all-stars and 20 rotation players. That's it. So it's like, if that, that seems the, high, even yeah. 20, yeah. Rotation, 20 rotation, 20 rotation guys for how long? Well, no, they end up being rotation guys in the NBA. Like they basically, right. not okay. for that team. So the 20 guys stick around somewhere in the league as rotation guys for, okay. for the average life cycle. Yes. Uh, for the life cycle yeah. of, their, yeah. of everyone who was drafted there. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah so about when right. you're in that 20 range, just take a flyer. Like there, it's just the odds are already stacked against this guy being a rotation player for your team for years or an all-star. And if he has all-star upside in the top five, like who cares? Just take a shot. Why not? Yeah. Houston has a lot of guys. Yeah. They have a lot of guys. And so I'm okay with it. Like I don't, one of them will pop. their draft has a lot to, uh, I think you could be excited about. I, I was going to hold this take, but um, this was like more of like a broader NBA draft take. And I think I was texting you guys about this, but Andrew, you and I, I think are kind of on the same page here where the draft was way too long. A, like, I don't know what they were doing. That thing was taken forever. That thing was dragging. Um, That coverage was objectively bad. Seven Eastern started at seven Eastern and then because yeah, like there are other sporting events that manage to say when it starts at 8 p.m. it actually starts at 8 p.m. Yeah. instead of there's like if you want to do a pre-show or whatever do it at 6 or 6:30 eastern mm-hmm. um yeah i this is the first time in a very long time that i just straight up did not see the end of the first round because i'm just like screw this i'm going to bed well i think that's what a lot of people did if you look at the ratings like after pick 15 and like i think it significantly dropped people stayed for the first group and then they were like all right we're out yeah there but there's a to me i mean i guess the the one problem i have with the draft is one 
the NBA for this, if if the NBA is going to create this path for guys who don't want to play in college, cool. Do a better job promoting it. Yeah. Do a better job of promoting the G League Ignite and I don't know, Overtime Elite isn't a part of that. I don't know. But do a better job of promoting these guys because I was looking at, you know, of course, because content is king, they've already got projections for 2024. (laughs) And you're seeing guys a part of G League, Ignite, and Overtime Elite that are probably going to be top five picks. And it's like, okay, NBA. Start from if, if these guys are gonna be lottery picks, do a better job of promoting. Scoot was in the G League for two years. Like it, it was. I, one of the- I, I don't. I don't know. I kind of disagree. I, it's look. There are two ways you can go about it, which is the way that the NBA and the NFL have done for most of their history, which is to say we're going to leave the marketing and sale of these kids up to the NCAA, and the NCAA is going to profit off of these kids. And in return, we get guys who our fans already have a good idea about who they are and right. know their names leading up to the draft. So they get excited about the draft. Mm. The way that, the end, that, of course, Major League Baseball for well over a century has done things is says we're going to build out an extensive system of minor leagues that in recent years has come under greater control by Major League Baseball itself, but for years was an independent body in and of itself, the, the sprawling minor league baseball system. Um, and when guys are first run, you're not going to pay a lot of attention to the major league baseball draft unless you're a real sicko. And, <laughs> uh, and, but we're going to, we're going to say that, that the development and care of these players is going to be, uh, is going to take a longer timeline, and the, and when they get to become baseball stars after spending a couple of years in the minors, you'll get to know them. Um, the what the NBA is doing is a little bit of splitting uh, splitting the baby in half. It's still pretty much just a one year, um, you know, a one year advanced degree, you might say, in basketballology. And no, people don't really care about or watch the G League again unless you're a draft sicko like me. And I, I think the intent, the idea that players that that college should not that the that the that colleges should not have their entire financial structure wrecked in order to profit from young men, I think, is the right thing to do. And creating an avenue for guys who don't want to go to college to get paid. I think is the correct way to go about it. And to me, the fact that there's maybe a little bit less interest in the draft itself is a reasonable price to pay, pay for that. I really mm-hmm. don't care that most people haven't heard of Scoot Henderson until tonight. Or that the Thompson casuals, brothers, or yeah. I'm not saying I, I get where I agree with you. I just think then the product needs to change with it. You know what I mean? Where like major league baseball knows that casual fans have no idea who any of these guys are the nba was pretending that fans knew the thompson brothers and scoot and uh well, insert guy yeah, here like they, they got a big show to put on so of course right i just it's it, it it felt disingenuous to me where i'm like yeah i know these guys this is yeah. just not a big time feel because no one knows outside of victor like nobody yeah. knows who any of these players are like even For, brandon miller the non-college guys yes 
nobody knows who they are. And so and that's why I'm saying there were it was a year with just not a lot of interesting and good college players. Right. That happened. No, which is which is fair, but you're also and now if you want to say there were not a lot of good college exciting and good college players because Scoot and the Thompson twins were both in yeah. the G League instead. Well, okay. Then I think the solution to this is the NCAA should get rid of this naming, this incredibly confusing nudge, nudge, wink, wink naming light stuff, and just pay its athletes. And then you can pay Scoot Henderson to play for Duke, or you can pay the Thompson Twins. Well, no, to you can right now. NIL, like you're making good money. Like he could have made some good. So, money. Like Bronny's at USC next year. Like Bronny, right. I'm certain is doing okay. I think he's, yeah, no, there was a, there have been a couple of articles talking about. It. I think he's already in the seven figure range for his yeah. naming rights. Yes. Yeah. But so, it's a pretty good deal. Already. And it's also you're doing private jets. It's a better life. Like it's a 1000% better gig now than it used to be. Um, by and large, that's, for fair. that's yeah. fair. That's true. And that's fair. I mean, these guys just wanted to train and prep for their future careers. Yeah. I really which can't is, fault which them. Is fine. Which is fine. And we're not faulting anyone. We're just talking about the product and like where they're at at crossroads. And I think what you're saying is correct, where it's like, it's fine. Like if that's the price you have to pay, that's pretty. But like from the broadcast, just something I just jotted down it's just weird like it's just they're in this weird middle ground where it's not like baseball i was, I was accidentally churned to the, the channel seven the abc feed instead mm. of the actual oh, ESPN feed. so i was like why is Stephen a smith on this all the time why is he interviewing fat joe to complain about jericho sims that might be another this problem here too right where they don't have nba draft guys like gavoni is not like a kuiper to them where you need well, if you're going to invest if, in them why are they not if they yeah. Was Jay Bylas talking about length and and? Hey, I love Jay. Like Jay's my dude. Was, Jay, was he on the show again? I was on the so wrong was, channel. Was, for the first the ESPN feed. But what I miss though is because I was having this conversation with somebody about. I think it was maybe might have been last year's draft or the year before, mm. but essentially it was. If you put the draft on TNT, you're gonna have the. NBA on TNT guys, but you'll also have the folks from NBA TV kind of mm. explaining to you what, you know, what these guys are all about. I thought that the ESPN crew did a decent job, but at the same time, it I was thought like... Monica McNutt's interviews were excellent. Mm, I yes. thought she was well-prepared. She, she asked incisive questions. Shout they out to the not, homie Monica McNutt, by the way. They, for Monica McNutt, they were not exploitative or designed to sort of gin up viral moments. I they thought, were genuine. Yeah. And she clearly had done the reporting work on all of these players and their families. That was She was exceedingly well prepared for that. I thought those, I mean, interviews with someone after they're drafted, that is not, uh, that is not usually a particularly interesting part of the segment. You know what you're going to get. And I thought she handled it as, as well as anyone possibly could. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. Um, I agree. Well, there you go. NBA draft. Um, Chris Stapps, though, your old son, Bob, was traded. <laughs> this was a two. This this involves both Bobby and Andrew. Chris Stapps to I'm Andrew's Andrew. team. I'm poking Andrew on the top of the head. Being it's like, fine. I don't have a problem. You get to root for crap snaps now. <laughs> well, I mean, it's okay. Does he fit? What would you What would you like to know about his meddling brother, Jonas? What would you like to know about his Twitter account, circa 2015? We can have all of these conversations. No, it's fine. It's fine. I'm sure. I'm sure that there's been a few Knicks blogs out there that have complained about it. 
because I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't know. I couldn't. I'm gonna do the Kermit sipping tea thing. Couldn't. Yeah. That. No. There's. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's fine. Look. I spilled. I am in the minority <laughs> of. You needed to get rid of Marcus Smart like two or three years ago. Blasphemy. The problem is. Wow. It was I believe too- someone has been drinking haterade. Well, here's here's my thing. Like, and it all goes back to what happened in the bubble, where Marcus Smart, like, go read Gary Washburn's piece from an Eastern Conference Finals game. I want to say it was either game two or three, where it like basically Marcus Smart and either Tatum or Brown almost came to blows in the locker room. And that was like Brad Stevens moment of enlightenment of yeah I know this this isn't gonna work um and so I think at that moment you knew oh these three aren't gonna last together like it's not going to be unless you have the come to Jesus meeting that you you put Are you saying Marcus Smart, the heart and soul of the Boston Celtics, was part of the problem? Is that what you're saying? I mean, I'm just look. Okay. Drink Kermit drink sipping. So you don't miss Marcus Smart. You're okay. You're not going to be sad at I all. I don't miss. I mean, like for all the great things Marcus Smart did, there were moments where it was. There were I am him moments that it's just like. Marcus, no. Are you ready to yeah. offer Chris Stapps a two-year, 70-odd million dollar extension, which has been reported is happening pretty soon? I'm super excited for, oh, I mean, hell, it's the NBA. Everybody's going to overpay for somebody eventually. Okay. Um, so you're, you're cool with spending somewhere in the neighborhood of $120 million on crap snaps and <laughs> the Jays. You're, you're, you're down I, with that. I Look, <laughs> it once again, it's Answer the, the question, it's, Andrew. It's, Answer the, the question. Overpays, fine. Screw I'm it. not saying we're, we've, we've, we've clearly established that everyone overpays. I'm asking you specifically if you're okay with over with paying locking down 120 million dollars worth of your salary cap somewhere around say 66 percent before you hit the second apron on Chris Tapps, Porzingis, the soon to be mega extension for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I'm asking you if you are okay with that. Not only okay with that, I'm asking if you're happy with that. That is the Celtics' future going forward. It's, that is the ride-or-die crew for a title. Are you okay with that? Mind you, I've seen salary cap hell already, so it's fine. It's fine. It's whatever. Wow. It's fine. Two memes, one show. He's sitting there drinking coffee. Celtics' cap is going up in flames with a giant Latvian. Okay. I, it my, is money, my, my too, question, by the way. That's smart. He did the Tony Allen thing, right? Like, of course, that's how this ended. Marcus Smart goes to Tony Allen. And I think what's what's crazy is you put him in Memphis. I think he's going to be great there. I think he's he's going to be a great. He's going to be a great person in the locker room for that team. Which I'm sorry, they need somebody who's going to tell them to. Yeah, to cut down on the hijinks. And- but also, yeah. they I don't think this works. I don't like the fit all that much because the if you're... The smart fit or the Porzingis fit? The smart fit. I think Porzingis is actually a better fit. I look at smart with Desmond Bain and John Morant. That is a small, small <laughs> group. I, I go link smart, first. Marcus Smart you gotta, switches. You've got enough size. I mean, you st- here's you the st- thing. 
you got had Adams and you got John Jackson Jr. The they're not on the perimeter. I'm talking this is a perimeter Marcus first league, Smart, man. The thing about Marcus Smart, the reason he was Defensive Player of the Year two years ago is because he can switch on to all manner-sized players. Yeah. And Bain has Bain has the same thing. He can level up against bigger wings. He's got the size. T-Rex arms. I don't know. He, he does have the T-Rex arms. It's a little weird. But mm. uh, I, I'm not worried about that. I think Marcus Smart is the perfect fit as a less – uh, destructive Dylan Brooks replacement, and and he. I would have gone Middleton. Him. I think Middleton made more sense. They're to not me. getting Middleton. Middleton's not leaving. I don't know. He's de- he declined his option to sign an extension. Yeah. Has he signed it yet, though? No, that's what's going to happen, though. They're just waiting until they they get all their pieces in place, so they they're holding on to his capital. Chase, Chase, what do the Hawks do if we're just going to sit there and just wow? I'm yeah. over here minding my own business, not mentioning Kobe Bufkin, not getting our own Tony Roten. I saw a Hawks fan just losing his mind calling, like just getting really, really Ooh. upset where it's like we drafted, we waited and just didn't trade anybody and then just drafted Tony Roten 2.0. Like there was some sad. Apparently the, they were tugging on the Mavericks sleeve, desperately trying to do a 10 for 15 swap if the Mavericks mm-hmm. would take J- John Collins. And I think honestly, that's a pretty, look, I know the, the Mavericks did quite well for themselves. They love uh, Derek Lively. Like they're they, really, I, you know, I'm not as, I'm not as high on Derek Lively, but. Was it, your friend and reporter at MSNBC, Ben Collins is like, we did all that to get Willie Cauley, Stein, yeah, ben, Collins, ben Collins, noted disinfo beat reporter, <laughs> hates Derek Lively. Yeah. Hates. I think the thing he posted, we were were workshopping this in the chat, mind you, but the thing he posted on Twitter was that, oh, great, we drafted Willie Cauley Stein Jr. Mm. He really wanted Whitmore, not to to spill the beans on what Ben Collins' draft references were. Come on Um, the pod, Ben. I I think John Collins is kind of underrated at this point. He's been in the draft so much. He's been in trade talk so much, and, you know, the fit with the Hawks and him wanting out of the Hawks. I think John Collins is kind of underrated. Now you as a Hawks um, Laker may differ. He's it's hard for me to see because like it's, every trade looks different and it's like the swaps and even the Phoenix swap you were looking at and you're like oh that would have been an overpay from Phoenix so like it just depends on what team is offering what it, it honestly just depends team to team what well, his value like 10 is. Ten and fifteen for John Collins would have been a straight salary cap dump. Yes, which I think is where we're headed with John, but it's also like the well, Hawks not have no- straight cap dump. They would have moved up five slots. So it's can I right. Just, can can I just, just look at John and like the thing that people miss, and he was shooting well from three down the stretch there. I mean, he has had the messed up finger, like pinky finger issue, where it's been just a problem for a long time now. So that really, the thing with John Collins, when you watch him, and I've watched so much John Collins in my life, that I wish he was four inches taller because if John Collins was six ten, six eleven. You He's an he awesome baller. five. You wish he had a girl. He would I knew that was coming. I knew. Okay. I knew that was falling up. But no, it's JC is a good, solid basketball player. He's a good guy to have on your team. He's one of your eight dudes on a contender. He plays winning basketball. Like I like John Collins. Right. The problem is it's hard to make the geometry of the court work with John Collins by and large because he's not big enough to guard fives, and he's also not a good enough shooter that you want him playing the four all that much because if you don't have a good shooter at the five it just it just doesn't work the sure, offense gets sure. clunky it's never like a clean fit for john but it's john's a good player he's just he's not a great player i don't think his contract is all that bad Trade i just him straight up for tobias harris yes but i don't think philly should do that i think tobias is a better I... player than uh, can john i just say right one now. real one, one real quick thing mm. uh that was drafted jason 
Um, can we just go back to like to the 90 seconds where Marcus Sasser was a Celtic and I was super mm. happy before oh. he gets traded to Detroit and it's like, why? Because Brad Stevens decided to decided he was Bill Belichick for one night and just kept flipping picks <laughs> lower and lower and lower. They probably there were a lot more trades, by the way. Boston, this draft. I assume, I look when they got that pick from the Grizzlies. I think Boston is worried about second round picks. Are more, like high second round picks are, are, are in a lot of ways more valuable than late first because that late first is guaranteed for more money for four years. And again, Boston is already looking at devoting a hundred and twenty odd million to three guys, and they cannot afford to have a guy whose contract is at least guaranteed for like a minimum of three years at that value. At in the mid twenties, when you when the odds are he's never going to contribute to a winning team, so that's why they did that. Can they still I trade think. Brogdon? Yeah, I mean he's apparently speaking of crab meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. Uh, the reports at least are that his injury is so bad that's why the Clippers backed out. Well, he like needs forearm trade. surgery apparently or something. Yeah. Like he might. Act, I don't know. It's. Brogdon's like one of those, I think before last year, Andrew, you were high on it. I was like, oh, this is a bad idea. Like, this man can it, never stay healthy. This man, it's just never going to happen. Some dudes are just never going to be healthy. Well, Malcolm and, Brogdon's and one of those dudes. it was like, okay, if you can give, if you can get just, you know, 70%, if he, if he can just produce 70% during the season, and playoffs, you're in a great spot. Like, I just let him let him rest for two thirds of the year. Let let Peyton Pritchard cook. See what House of Pain can well, do that's, with consistent that's, minutes. That's it, it, it's funny because like when you look at what happened with Boston in the playoffs, and you look at what happened in their mid season slide, the multiple mid season slides, I should say. <laughs> there were guys who contributed last season that you could have easily put in position to succeed because now all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, I'm not good enough to be in the same spot I was a year ago. Um, yeah, so there's there's some roster retooling that needs to be done. Um, Peyton Pritchard. I, you know, I really – I when the Chris Epps trade first happened, I really thought, oh, they're positioning themselves to get Chris Paul. That's what I thought was happening. And he just wasn't going to sign on for Boston. He doesn't feel like a Boston sign-on kind of guy. But, well, there's yeah, there is a block of players in the league who are just sour on Boston. Um, Go figure. Thanks, Danny Ainge. Um, mm-hmm. That they've just kind of said, yeah, it really doesn't matter who's in charge. I'm good. Can we also talk Chris Paul real quick before we wrap up here today? Um, did y'all think, did y'all watch the interview where he's just, because he's doing the book tour, which is just hilarious that he has all these <laughs> press. Like, that's just the worst luck possible. And I'm sure the publicist is just like, the, I, we, we were all laughing about the Chris Paul stuff, but I'm like, the publicist just had to just be like a loud F when this happened. Because it's like all these things are set up and then you have to ha- be like, all right, I guess Good Morning America is going to ask Chris Paul about. Uh, yeah. Fair, but to be fair, at least it wasn't the day of. They at least had some time to go into some type of a war room and prepare for this. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, Phoenix, 
I get your like, hey, we're having this conversation one day, and then like 16 hours later, we're trading you. So well, he's still yeah. clearly pissed. Like him oh, mentioning, yeah. like he is not yes, happy. He yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I totally get it. Um. Do you like the fit of him in Golden State? I do. I do. Okay. Um, I don't know if I do. I've been well, going back and forth in those last couple of days. I don't know if I like weird, it. For, for, like, Golden State has always run a motion and pass-centric and very free-flowing offense. Mm. That's been that's got them all those titles. Um, Chris Paul has not played in that kind of system. In fact, in, in every stop in his career, the system has contorted to Chris Paul. I mean, he sort of there were different things that he had to do in the brief stretches with Phoenix when he was playing with um, both Durant and Booker. So obviously I think he's capable of, of changing his game to suit what, what Golden State wants to do, but that's a lot to ask of a 38 year old. player, yes. and, and one who is known for being uh, controlling is probably too strong a word, but for knowing to have a very specific set of preferences about how they want to play basketball. Was it you last week you said who threw out Spurs for Chris Paul? Yeah. I've been thinking about that a lot. I think that would have been cool. That would have been yeah. the best spot for him. That would have been cool. He gets to go out just like doing pick and pop stuff with Victor Wimbanyana and setting the Spurs up. for that. I, I don't know. That would be no pressure. Like you just get to play with the next uh, superstar. I, yeah. I'm not sure if this, I mean, getting rid of the two timelines thing in Golden yeah. State and making one last run at a title with this group or one or two depending on how long they, they, they keep plotting along. I mean, I get it. Chris Paul wants to win a title, and this yeah. gives him a better chance, certainly, than go, than San Antonio, or really Phoenix, even. But Yeah. Miami also would have made sense for him, too, I think. Miami sure. Would. Yes. Yeah, heat culture and whatever. Yeah. He could have gotten a year or two out of heat culture. and like Can't, can't wait for... Uh... For for whatever happens with Miami this off season, um, I think nothing. If, if they don't get Damian Lillard, they're just going to be like, oh well. I can't there stand it. The Damian Lillard of... discourse needs to end because every he's new gonna, day he's going to get traded. I really think, think he's yeah, he's going to get traded. Just this summer, really, yes. Let it happen. Mm-hmm. Let it happen because I'm tired of hearing. About no, it. remember the Donovan Mitchell Knicks Jazz trade that lasted for months. Yes, last until like, until like August. Remember how awful that was. Remember how you guys kept asking me about that when <laughs> nothing had changed. Remember that? It worked out. So, you got a better player. I'm fine with it not happening. What I'm talking can I about say? Is can we say one... Jalen Brunson's better than Donovan Mitchell? I think he's better. Uh, you can make that argument. You can, if you factor in contract, you can absolutely make that argument. He won the he won the series with worse supporting cast. Deeper. You leave Julius Randle alone. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. seems nice. Julius Randle, another. He's just stuck it through. Like Julius Randle deserves like some sort of New York uh, sticking through it award, where Julius Randle has seen the ups and ups of being a Nick and the worst and worst of being a Nick, and what it that means from the oh, press and the, the fans. And he's still, he's found himself back up at the top. Like Knicks fans like him again. Like, it's, no, we, no, no, you missed it. We want him traded. Again. No, but like, <laughs> but he's finding a way to just, he's all over the place. Most guys there don't is, go through is, this. There are, there are, there is a segment of, of Knicks fans that think in order for the team to get better, they have to move Julius Randle, mm. which I think is, is true. Um, but there is no deal that any of us, 
you know, idiot fans can think of that would actually make that happen right now. Would you do so, DeAndre Hunter and John Collins for Julius Randle? Yeah. I think I would do that too. That would open it up for AJ Griffin. I would be okay with that. Yeah. Uh, I would ask Atlanta for a pick. That's fine. We don't need any more. We have enough. Sold. Um, yeah, I might do that. Um, but that would be a downgrade for the Knicks. That would mean taking a step backward in order to... Yeah, year. you were Maybe definitely going to what is for y'all. Uh, I think it would be... Uh, it would absolutely... Like, that's the problem. They, they're in a weird... They, there aren't... There isn't a real step up trade. Step mm. back trades are there. Like they could sell, they could get rid of Randall for like seventy five cents on the dollar. Like they wouldn't that Atlanta trade. I would kind of be for it, um, but the Knicks are, you know, and they're it's fine. He's got two years left on his deal. At worst, he's an expiring contract next summer. He's he's still a very productive regular season player. Um, I, I'm fine with them keeping Randall on the roster. But but absolutely. But Knicks fans are not. We are not at the we love Julius Randle moment. We are mm. of why does Julius Randle keep defecating in his bed during the playoffs? <laughs> moment is there something? What? How? Why does that keep happening? Knicks fans always stable and forgiving. Yeah, all fans always stable and forgiving. Andrew, we've discussed this. All fans are weird. We'll end on this quote not from Russia. Tobias Harris's father. Okay. Quote <laughs> noted. <laughs> Tobias is an assassin scorer. I mean, they can't stop him. Nobody in the league can stop him. No. So he's proven true. that over his career, even when the, he was with the Clippers, he was an assassin scorer. Ever since then, the Sixers, they put him in the corner. Nobody puts a University of Tennessee volunteer in the corner. BFL. Sure. Uh, Bob Silverman, what can the good folks check out from you this week over the Daily Beast? Anything uh, you want to plug? There was, uh, no, I'm good. There was a, we, we didn't plug my Live Golf article last week, so that's oh. okay. But we'll, we'll recircle back. There's an article. It's old news, but I wrote a, a story about uh, why the PGA caved to Live, and the short answer is money. If you want to read that, it's on the Daily Beast, and you can see tweets about it on my timeline. Uh, you can always find me on Twitter at Bob Sayeta. There you go. Andrew, what about you and the team over at AL.com this week? Just prepping for SEC media days in like three weeks. Are you going? Are you coming up to Nashville? I am. There you go. Andrew, Bobby, thank you as always, and I'll talk to y'all next week. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.